All right, so my dad is literally Bob the Builder. His name is Bob, and he can build anything. He really can. He can he can fix cars. He can build, uh, do woodworking. He can replace tile floors. He can put in new dishwashers. He can do whatever needs to be done. He can do it. And I grew up with him, with him doing, seeing him do these things. But I've never really experienced it because it was he just it just was done. So you need new brakes on your car. You come home from school. There's new brakes on your car. So it's not something that I really learned. That's those skills. And parenting is the same way. We may have grown up with parents. We may have grown up with great parents, but we have not really been taught on a, on a whole how to be a good parent. How do you become a good parent? It's a skill we have to have in order to, to raise good children. Hey, we'll get back to the episode in just a second. But first, I just wanted to invite you to Raising Descendants Facebook group. It's kind of like the after party for this episode. Cindy and I will be there and answer any questions. We'll go deeper into this episode. So Raising Descendants Facebook group. We'll see you there. Yeah, and and like we've talked about earlier, some of us had some, you know, lots of prep time for that. Other people, not so much. It's you're in it. Yeah, all up in it. Yeah, we, we've had plenty of prep time. Uh, but if, if we wouldn't have to be 20, 21, 22, 23 years old and have a kid, oh my goodness. Well, we wouldn't have had, no, and we wouldn't have had five kids either. No. We would have been, we would have been like (laughs) tapping out, tapping out. No. D-O-N-E. For those of you who have not heard me say this before, I'll say it now. I would have been a horrible 20 something year old parent. I would have, I've just, it would have been awful. I, I didn't know at the time. That's why God was you know, allowing Mike and I to marinate a little bit. Um, oh, but we needed it. Yeah, but we needed it. We were, it was an incredibly painful time to be married for 12 years and not have kids when it came to the kid issue. But we, neither one of us would have known the first thing about what we were doing. So again, we had to have some prep time, but there's people who didn't have prep time and they're in it, all in it and trying to get through it just like the rest of us. So that's something that we can lock arms with. All right, so parenting is a skill. There's lots of skills to learn. What's the kind of the first one that you want to talk about? Oh, self-discipline for sure. It's the hardest because, you know, we can't do anything or set anything up for ourselves, much less our family, unless we're willing to say, this is the big stuff. This is the stuff I'm willing to let go. And these are the things that I'll do it when when I have the ability to do it. So self-discipline is is the hardest. It's really saying this is the path that I'm going to go forward with because it's the right thing to do. I mean, look at the disciples. You know, if we're talking to talk about discipline, let's go to that same word bank of disciples. I mean, what did they do? Well, they, they followed God. They followed Jesus. They did. And they the gave, son of God. Absolutely. And they gave everything up. Everything up to do that. And that, that was always a huge thing for me is, you know, we, it, it's, things are said so simply in the Bible. Like they said, Jesus called them and they followed them. Well, there's a, there's a whole story behind it. I just, okay, I'm going to drop my whole life and going to follow you. I mean, that, there has to be a huge commitment at that point, at least a, a huge understanding of this is important. Absolutely. And when we look at, I don't know if some of you guys have seen The Chosen or if that's, you know, your jam, but it really does kind of breathe life into the story portion of what could have or, and what we do know was happening um, behind the scenes when these disciples were getting called to follow Jesus. And again, it's not, um, you know, 
everything is not totally biblically based. They have some acting in that and some 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 writing to help kind of beef up what these people were. But the bottom line is they had lives. They had lives that were important, that they had worked hard for, and that skills that they had maintained. And now they're just going to give all that up and go follow this guy in the wilderness into different cities. I mean, come on. I mean, that took a lot of guts to do that. We're not asked to do that right now. Mike and I are not asked to drop everything that we have and that we own and go do something crazy different. I mean, this podcast. Thank goodness. Yes, this podcast is our crazy different right now. So comparatively to what other Christians have had to do in the past of dropping it all and, and moving forward or missionaries, uh, no, that's not something at this point in our lives that we've been called to do. What we have been called to do is like many of you, and that is the journey of parenting, of raising descendants. Again, the most important job that you will ever have in your entire life to build the kingdom with your own flesh and blood for this spiritual realm that will last for eternity. So let's pick up the disciples. So they gave everything up to follow Jesus. They did. They gave it all up. They said, I'm going to scratch everything that I've ever been taught, everything that I've ever known, everything that I, you know, have experience in. And I'm going to go by my personal relationship with Jesus Christ and my knowledge of what the Bible teaches me. So they poured themselves into Jesus' teaching. That's the first thing that they did. They just poured it. They literally, like, they hung on his every word. And they did that in the process of just living life. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing. We're living life. We haven't been asked to be driven out into some, you know, other place outside of our families at this point. We are living life the way that we feel like we've been called to do. So when you take that into account, you're going to have lots of different types of things that kind of go around that or, or are involved in that. For instance, when we go back to what the disciples did with Jesus, first and foremost, they served other people. They served each other. They served the communities that they were around. They didn't care where you were from or what you did, what you looked like, what your beliefs were, how sick you were, how rich you were. They served. They served each other. And I feel like when we really look at having our self-discipline in our own parenting styles, what are we doing to serve each other? Not just serve your kids food, because I feel like I do that every day, and I do. <laughs> All the time. But what do I serve to them? You know, we homeschool. So part of, of when I get frustrated with homeschool or, or something, you know, like, you know, the math we talked about in another podcast, um, I, I have to reframe things to say, this is, this is, I'm serving them right now. I'm doing something for them that gives up my personal time, my personal interest to serve someone else in my own home. And I think that that is a huge first step in looking at how do I have this self-discipline in my own parenting styles? Because when kids see you serving each other and you, you kind of name it and you do that, they start doing it too. And those are really easy tasks. Yeah, they, they really pick up on that when you start when you start serving, when you start helping others, they start looking for that opportunity as well. 
That's right. So outside of the home, I think is what you were referencing to is when we look for other people that we can help. Um, for instance, there's something that we do at Christmas every year, and I won't get into the specifics of it, but the bottom line is, is that we let the kids in on it and they think it's the greatest thing on the face of the planet that they get to be a Santa to someone in need. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me right now? They love it. Now that's Christmas. A lot of people have a very servant heart around Christmas times and then they blow it the rest of the year. <laughs> um, and so what Mike and I had to do when it came to serving is really plug that in to a, what is our goal every month to serve someone else? Is that picking up trash? Is it making homeless, you know, baskets or bundles for for people is it cleaning out our closets and making sure that all the nice clothes can be you know gifted to someone that might need that that we maybe outgrow or we don't wear anymore um maybe it's looking at our toy box and saying you know what this is a really good toy but i don't use it you know those types of things when you when you have the goal what's our fill in the blank for servanthood this month as a family they buy into it and they start seeing things that you would want them to see. You start to gift them the eyes to say, this is where my servant heart could fit. And it's much nicer in the home too, by the way. (laughs) You know, like they're much happier to share and to claim that is they're serving someone at that point. They're much happier to help with the tasks at home because now that's not labeled as just chores. It's being able to put in their little bit of work to serve the entire home and how wonderful that is. It's really reframing what servanthood might look like, not just in your own home, but then to the world for outside people to see as well. And for you to get the benefit of both. And we can kind of jump back to the last week's podcast. We're talking about how you kind of pick the one thing that you're, you're focusing on. So if that one thing is serving, then when you are serving, you see your children serving, you see your children serving other, even their siblings or other people or friends or whatever it is, that's the opportunity right there to, to bring it up. Hey, you're doing a great job serving. Absolutely. We look at, you know, other things that the disciples did, and they, you know, didn't just serve others. They also really helped other people. And I think that whether that was through healing, watching Jesus do that, whether it was feeding the multitudes, again, you could look that as kind of serving, but it was it was more just seeing a need and really jumping in there. For instance... We have a little prayer that we say when we see police cars or ambulances or anything like that. And it's, dear God, help the helpers and help the people who need help. Now, with that being said, now we can't go anywhere without (laughs) that prayer being said at least multiple times a day, which is great. Because what it does is it, it focuses them on... One, helpers. There are helpers out there, and you are a helper, and we're called to be a helper. So it's something really simple, but it was a goal that we said, okay, what is it that these disciples did, and what can we do in our everyday life? And helping other people is a big deal. You know, healing people was huge in Jesus's ministry. And, you know, all of us don't have the ability sometimes to go out and, you know, give medicine or or do whatever, you know, we need to do. But we do, we can pray for those people, truly pray for those people, have a list, think about it as a family, who we want to pray for, who needs a healing spirit of God right now. We can make 
food or buy food or give food to help them to have nourishment to their bodies, to help them get over what they're going through. You know, there's a wonderful program at our church where occasionally um, these guys will get together and girls, too, for that matter, and they'll just go build somebody a wheelchair ramp. You know, those are things that when you make it a specific task that your family is going to look for and execute, whether it's on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, whatever that is, you start to see how being a helper draws you closer to Christ, draws your children closer to Christ, and continues to allow them to have the eyes to see where their strengths can go in to help someone that may be of need. And you mentioned earlier, you know, praying is something that the disciples did as well. They prayed a lot. They prayed for people. They prayed all types of prayers for people. And bringing that into our children, not just uh, when we see a ambulance, but praying with them nightly, having them pray, having them pray for, uh, you know, for blessings on our food for at night before we go to bed, making them comfortable to, to pray I mean, the, the kids right now, if you say, hey, you pray for dinner for us. Yeah, sure. Here we go. And then they go right into prayer. And so prayer for them becomes natural. It does. And it also becomes prep for what do I need to be doing in, in my everyday little child life or teenage life or pre-adolescent life. That's a reminder that, that I can help others and I have a specific strength or task that has come to my mind that I, this is how I can use that. It's really cool to see it in action. So again, we're going back to what those disciples did. They served other people. They helped other people. And, you know, traveling was a big deal for them. I mean, they really looked at, you know, where am I going to be tonight as whatever Jesus told them. I mean, they they truly said, this is where I am, Lord, and I'm with you. I think how that translated to me when I looked at how can I use traveling in the as a reflection of what the disciples did with Christ is to not just see the physical aspect of where we're traveling, the mental piece of where we're traveling, where are we going, where's the next phase in the in our life headed? You know, what how can we pair ourselves with Jesus to prepare us for a new home or dad getting a new job or you starting a new school? How can we really prepare ourselves for that? And so you again look at, you know, the disciples were not fearful of where they were going. I'm sure not until the the um, crucifixion happened because they thought they were in it to win it with Jesus. So it's for us, it's a matter of not just physically those places in life, but the, the next phase of life we're going to. And we want to get real simple with just the physical pieces. I think it's important for us to show that for our children to know, excuse me, that when we're out and about outside of our family home, that we're a reflection of God to others. And so to just remind them of that, listen, things are going to get crazy in here at this bounce house, dude. Remember who you are. Remember to be, <laughs> remember to find that person that maybe doesn't have a friend today. You know, remember to be the kind of friend that you would always want somebody else to be. Those kinds of little things for a little kid. And when it maybe comes to, a teenager, you know, 
it's not as much about that's not what our family stands for as much as it is about remember who you are and whose you are. And when you know that they have made good choices with their peer groups or whether they have, you know, done an excellent job of being a leader in the skill set that you know that they're really been gifted as Christians, that you are that you tell them, yeah, that was a great job. And you are doing that when you're out and about, you're holding doors or you're you're putting up buggies or you're not getting angry in situations where you could get angry and you get in the car and you say, and that was an act of self-discipline because <laughs> I should have gone off on that dude, but I did not. I did not. I'm really proud of myself right now. It's okay to say those kinds of things too. So that, you know, when you're outside of your home, when you are in a new phase in life, you can constantly be saying to yourself and to your family, this is how we're going to do it differently. This is how we're going to try to, you know, get through this. And you know what? Mistakes are going to be made. But that's okay. We're all on the journey together. So again, it's a simple thing that the disciples did, but traveling was a big deal for them. They were out and about and they were willing to tell everyone about Christ. And that's something that I really have always struggled with. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. It's it's, it's not like you just walk up to a stranger and start talking. And then when we look at willingness to tell everyone, the disciples were ready to spill it to anybody who would listen. And Jesus Christ himself was proclaiming that. If we're following those types of disciples of Christ, then we have to be willing to let everybody know, you know, where and why we do what we do. And that has always been super difficult for me. Like, I'm just, it's always plagued me. Like, what do I do? How do I do this? What's going on? I mean, I'm, I'm good with telling people about Jesus, but I mean, like on the spot, it, it, when I'm getting my nails done, I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah, that, that can feel a little weird sometimes. Very weird. Especially strangers. And there's people that can do it really well, and I've been always been so envious of them. Like your grandfather, Mike. There's stories in Mike's entire family about his granddad. His great-grandfather, yeah. Great-grandfather who oh. just tore it up on fire to tell people about Jesus. And it wasn't anything crazy weird i mean you just start a conversation with the uh waitress next thing you know he's he's deep in a conversation with her about about god and it just was natural and i'm I, not sure how he did it well i tell you how he <laughs> probably started it and that was being having that self-discipline knowing this is a goal this is something that i've got to do how can i make this work and i think that sometimes people are just given those strengths too now i'm not too good about just busting that information out to strangers or to people that I don't know. I have to really work on that. What I am pretty good at and I work at in all aspects of my life is building relationships with people. And that's how I can get my two cents in. I feel like that when people I have built whatever common you know ground we have, and I can start then explaining kind of what do I do or what do you do and reflecting how God really guides me and changes my heart. That seems much more sincere and easy for me to do, although it may take a lot of work rather than just busting up a move in the middle of the pharmacy talking about, you know, Jesus is the son of Christ. I mean, the son of God. I, I really don't. I really can't do that well. All right. So. 
The last thing that I want to talk about that we kind of use as a mirror to what the disciples did that we do in our home that takes a lot of self-discipline is attending church. Yes, it does. Attending church is something that we have found absolutely detrimental to our spiritual walk. And I know that everybody doesn't necessarily do that on a regular basis. And I know that there may be people listening to this that have never been in church this year or the past few years. Maybe they get their spiritual stuff from other places. But I'm telling you, the discipline to get your family ready and to show up and worship God is one of the most important things that you could do for your kids. Absolutely, absolutely. It's what it's, it's just being in a place of worship, focusing on that one thing for that time period. That's right. It recharges and the batteries. It recharges the batteries, and it also reminds you that everyone in that room is a sinner just like you. Every single one. When we were looking for churches um, early in our marriage, my dad who was a very intelligent young um, Christian at one point and grew into a very disciplined older Christian, said to me, why is it taking you so long for looking for churches? And I was like, well, because, I mean, they mess everything up. You know, there's people that were rude. The Sunday school class was too big. I didn't like this singing. And he was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, church is for what you can give first and what you get Everything else is par for the course. We're all human. There's never going to be a perfect church. It's just like there's never going to be the perfect school. There's never going to be the perfect job. There's never going to be the perfect fill in the blank. They can be perfect for a period of time, but it's not going to be forever. You are in, are looking for this church so that you can give what you need to give back to your community of Christians and you can get what you need back. It's as simple as that. And if there's some things that are absolutely a no-go, then yeah, find another church. Quit looking for the perfect church. It's made from people. <laughs> yeah, I remember him saying that. Is that you will never find a perfect church. It doesn't exist. That's right. And I and I and I really appreciated that. And it took the weight off quite a lot. Well, in the meantime, we did find a church that suited our needs at the time, and it has been wonderful for us to know that we're going to have a check-in every Sunday morning. We have to sit and be in Christ to be with other believers, regardless of how big our sins feel or how big their sins feel. We're all humbly going to the cross to say, this is my time to listen and to be one in worship with Christ. That's a big deal. And if you make it a big deal that this is a priority for our family, then guess what? Your kids start to understand this is a priority for our family. And if things continue to get in the way of that priority, whether it be, you know, your own schedule or your children's extra extracurricular activities or, you know, just not being able to get it together and want one more day to sit and not have to do another thing well there's a there's a cost for that and yeah, yeah down the road they're gonna the kids are gonna see that as that's not a priority they're gonna see what is a priority because we spend our time with our priorities and i think that 
you can get so involved with church activities that sometimes it gets overloaded, whether it's in volunteer positions or whether it's, you know, activities that they are doing. I think that, you know, when you are making that decision to say, as disciples of Christ, I'm going to be engaging in my church. I'm going to be, you know, committing my family and myself to making sure that we show up. Then you can start to really pick out what you need in that church community rather than being flooded with things constantly that you're doing or things that, you know, don't matter to you that maybe matter to someone else, but you're willing to give that time because you know it's important for someone else in your church community. Those types of questions start to be answered and fulfilled for you and your family. All right, so all the things we just talked about, serving, helping others, traveling, the missions that we give our children, why is that so important? Well, first and foremost, we are saying that we have to have self-discipline in our family's life. So we look to those disciples that followed Christ on an everyday basis when God was literally on earth with us to say, hey, what did y'all do? And then how can I apply that to the life that I'm living right now? It starts to matter because the world is teaching them totally different things. The world is not teaching our kids to serve. The world teaches our kids to take what you deserve what you want is what you can get. Constant need for more and more to fill the empty hole that whatever it is that you're not gaining. When we are so self-absorbed for our own wants and our own wishes and our own beliefs, and I deserve this, then the aspect of serving others or helping others is totally taken out of the equation. So when we are not willing to look out to others into how to, for instance, you know, gift to others, serve other people, our kids are not learning how to do that either. And what do they do? Our kids become more selfish. They are children. That's the way they're supposed to be anyway. And when we're not reflecting as a family, as the, as the leaders of our little, you know, descendants, that selfishness is something that has to be um, utilized with discipline. You know what? They get all kinds of squirrely and demanding and entitled, and that's the worst. I mean, I think we can probably all agree entitled, demanding children are the most difficult to be around because it brings— That's a very nice way of putting yeah, it. Yeah. It evokes anger in us, even though they're kids. And it's a direct reflection in my mind of them being kids and allowed just to be kids without parenting. And I'm not saying that all kids who are like that or don't have good parents. I'm just saying that may be something that they, that that's their one that they need to really work on. And, and But they are not having the opportunity in my mind to really serve other people, to really see what healing someone else can look like through food or through prayer or through kindness. They're not having the opportunities to help enough to balance that out. So when we decide as disciples of Christ to have our own family have discipline, we start showing them, guess what? 
there's other ways to be that is much more meaningful than you just getting your, you know, brand new pair of shoes for the day that's going to be awesome for the first week. And then you're going to muddy them up and it's not going to be so crazy, so great, crazy anymore. The other thing that we can look at, too the world teaches our kids there's a constant competition. You know, right now the Winter Olympics is going on. And wow, those athletes, it's serious. They've prepared. They're very good. They're so good. They prepared their whole lives. They are at the peak of their physical and mental abilities, and we get to watch the show, and it is so super cool. But the level of mental and physical competition that they have had to go through amazes me absolutely amazes me so although I can look at that and say wow that's really super awesome that they can do that it does reflect what our world teaches us which is competition comparison who's the best you're never going to be on top for very long so you might as well take your glory while you can have it whereas when we're looking towards What Jesus taught his disciples and therefore us, he really said, you know what, let's put ourselves at the bottom of this list. And when we start doing everything else first for others, then we become filled in ways that we never thought could be imaginable. If we can do that in the life of our family, for our children, for them to learn those types of lessons early by just basically going through the, the things that the disciples did, they were willing to serve other people. They were willing to let people know why that this was important. Then the who's the best, who can sing better, who can write better, who can play better starts to become more balanced in their minds and also reflective of what we are trying to teach them as disciples of Christ. In closing, I would really like to look back at Galatians 5, 23. If we let all of our desires lead our decisions and our lives and our bodies can quickly spin out of control. Self-control is a discipline that God grows in us when we continually choose to die to our flesh and to live in him. So as a closing prayer, I'll say this. Dear God, remind us on a daily basis who your disciples are, that they are now us, and we must look to Jesus' examples while he was here on earth to show what is important, how to serve others, how to help others, how to grow others, most importantly, how to be the parents that we need to be in raising descendants. Amen. RaisingDescendants.com is up and online. Uh, We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can go to RaisingDescendants.com and click on the microphone. And we'd be happy to uh, play that conversation here and answer any questions that you have.